Hey, welcome back to Going in Circles Live. Um, it's funny that, that, you know, you can get books now and it's hard to get an actual paper book. We wound up getting Kindle and in, in these, these electronic books. And um, I mean, you know, it's reading is reading, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not quite the same. But um, yeah, I hope everyone does uh, go out and get that book, Bal Harbor Blues. And I'm sure you can find it, uh, just Google it. Uh, with us now is my friend and trainer and uh, restaurateur, Mr. Carlo Vecareza. Carlo, how are you doing, Carlo? Okay, Chuck. Thank you for having me. How's the weather in central Kentucky today? Actually, been gorgeous. Today was a beautiful, like 77 degrees, and uh, it's absolutely a gorgeous day. Yeah, well, we're, we we had a little bit of a, a baby hurricane here yesterday, but it's 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 uh, you know South Florida in the summer weather, ninety and humid. But uh, well, actually, to be honest with you, this morning was kind of kind of it's, it's a it's a kind of very humid, seventy seven degrees. I mean, it's very unusual for this morning at Keeneland that uh, the humidity was was pretty pretty high. But, you know, it's a beautiful weather. The horses are love it. And, unfortunately, we have to live here in another well, 25, 26 days. We have to get out of Kingland by uh, July 31st. So. But it is what it is. Yeah, it's everything's in a little bit of flux in Kentucky with Churchill closing their backside down uh, to put in a new turf course. And uh, everyone has to leave, right? Well, unfortunately, not even that, Chuck. I mean, the, the Total Bread Training Center, they knocked down uh, those uh, concrete barns that mm-hmm. uh, it was holding approximately between four and 500 horses. So you had that overflow plus, uh, plus church of closing for until, I believe, September 1st. And everybody's looking for stalls, you know. Everybody's going to Turfway Park. Everybody's going to... Ellis Park and those two facilities are completely, completely, completely full. Yeah, that's the you know when it, when everything's said and done and all the new barns at the training center are built and Churchill gets their their turf back in order, it's going to be great. It's just going to be a little bit uncomfortable the rest of the summer and uh, you know people forget about Keeneland and that you know they have those two huge sales in the fall, the September yearling sale and the November breeding stock sale and. You know, pretty much, basically, everyone has to, you know, on the racing side, has to get out. So, well, I mean, was 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 a rumor going around that the Keeneland, uh, now that they are the partners with the Red Mile and those historical machines, that uh, they want to they want to put a, 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 a very good amount of money and at the training center that actually I saw yesterday doing a great job. And probably in in a year or two, they're going to build, I believe, uh, five five new barns at uh, at Rice Road, and that that uh, actually will solve a lot of problems. Because as you well know, that I mean, the direction of racing is 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 is, is Kentucky now, and everybody wants to be in Kentucky. And you know, like before, that when the weather get a little cooler, people that. It just went south. I believe now 
is going to be opposite. I mean, uh, the Purses, they're going to be at Turfway, and the Purses, they're going to be at Ellis Park, and forget about Kentucky Downs. They're absolutely they're crazy. And uh, people, they're going to stay here probably year-round now. Well, there's one thing that people see, and, and obviously the Purses are great there in Kentucky now, and, and they're going up, uh, but it's it's also the cost of living and the expenses um, you know, are so much, uh, re- you know, they're, they're reduced compared to uh, being in New York or being in Kentucky or, or, excuse me, Florida or being in California, where, um, you know, the it, it's just a, it just costs you less to live. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I just got back to, you know, I sent like twenty eight horses to California. I was in Santa Anita, and uh, I'll be honest, with you, um, you know. I've been all over the place, but uh, it was shocking to me. I mean, uh, not that many things that shocked me, but I'll be honest, I was, I was shocked. I mean, uh, from the work and scum to the cost of living to the housing in, in a block, couple of blocks away from Santa Anita was, was ridiculous. And then I was thinking to go to Del Mar, and I called up a realtor, and and I was looking for a house in near Del Mar, and there was anything between thirteen thousand and forty thousand for a for a rental for the meat. <laughs> you got to win the Pacific Classic to break even. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, that that that's the expenses. Is the people like um, you know down in Florida? All right, you want a bale of a big bale of alfalfa? It's forty bucks. In Kentucky, it's what. 15, 18? I mean, it's it's just crazy. The price is different. Yeah, it's much easier. You know, even that, you know, from, you know, uh, you know, you, you used to feed the same thing, race 13. I mean, just uh, here, it's just kind of, uh, you know, probably a third less, you know. And, I, and not only just, did I uh, feed Hallways race 13, I used to drive to the, um, the, the factory to get it. <laughs> I mean, we got it hot off the presses. We, you would just put it in the truck and, and, and bring it back to the track. But, um, right. I loved the Kentucky. No, you know, one of the reasons I left Kentucky was people forget 10 years ago, purses were going down and, and there was trouble. It was, you know, things weren't looking up at all. And it just goes to show you how things can be cyclical. And, um, you know, at, at one point, everything was like, you know, Kentucky was, was starting to struggle and the purse, the purse levels just weren't that great. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, they they got the, um, the, uh, you know, let's call them what they are, the, the slot machines. You can call them, you know, yeah, historical, machine, yeah. you know, but they're slot machines essentially. And it just completely reversed fortune. And you know, I, I opened up the show today talking about the news that Oaklawn Park has decided to move the Arkansas Derby back a couple weeks, so it's five weeks out from the Derby. But they're also adding more money to the purse so now the arkansas derby is 1.25 million and uh i mean that is all related to the the slot money where they've used it for racing not against racing and that's the difference between you know what's happened in kentucky and what's happened in oaklawn uh versus some of the other places where you know they've taken the slot money and they've still did minimal for racing um you know some of the northeast track like you know parks and, and, and those places where racing is considered just like a uh, you know an afterthought but um, you know Kentucky is is definitely a, a place where 
people want to be and, and you see you know you relocated there to, you see guys from california sending strings you see guys from new york uh either splitting their horses sending strings or, or you know relocating and uh i mean it's it's tough to it's tough to to it's tough not to to consider you know being there you know i was uh i know a place is really close to your heart i mean i went to the environment uh, you know few days ago to the Red Mile, and I know what the Red Mile meant to you. I mean, I remember you always talking about, you know, so fond of uh, of the Red Mile. I was there. I mean, I'll be honest, it was shocking to me to see it. I mean, what what beautiful job they did. And the place, I mean, it was early. It was around, you know, 5, 36 o'clock. I mean, you couldn't even move. I swear to God, I mean, I never saw... The place so crowded. I mean, it just, I mean, it was so much energy. I mean, actually, it was people waiting in line just mm-hmm. to, you know, take a seat in, in one of those machines, you know. I mean, it just, that was good. You know, and people are extremely friendly, and uh, and you you can feel that energy, you know. And I was, for me, I'll be honest, I was, I was, I was really impressed, you know, and I was. I told you know Frank Antonacci. I said, "Listen, I'll be honest. It was. Uh, you should be proud of what you guys accomplished here." No, no doubt. I mean, you know, there's just a different feel when there's people at the races. There's that energy that um, that when it's it's you go to the track and there's just a couple hundred people there. It, it just isn't the same. Like you said, it's it's just uh, a different feel when there's. And there's people and, and there's you know a crowd watching the races and they're all cheering for the horses and um, you know in the end I, I know it's a bottom line business but it's just uh, a, a more you know you go to the pe- it's tough to get someone hooked on race and going to a racetrack that's mostly empty right. you know? I mean it, it, it'd be like if you went to a restaurant and uh, you know there was 20 tables and three of them were you know filled and everything else was, was was open your immediate first thought is like wow this place must not be any good because no one's here and uh you know, right. that that's what racing is and and uh i i just and i don't want to you know rag on 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 Gulfstream, but uh you know like we were there for some of the speed day on saturday and i remember a couple years ago sitting at the table when you had uh you had a couple in and, and i had a horse in uh uh that victor espinosa rode absolutely terrible victor <laughs> but um uh, you know, the, it was it was still a big day, and it was a lot of people, and and it's like, um, you know, and, and, and right now it's it's just they can't fill stake races because there's not enough horses. But you know, these these days are you know, uh, it's just so much more exciting to go to the track and, and have people there, and you know, with Saratoga and Del Mar coming up, and Keeneland, of course, and uh, you know, Churchill does a lot of uh, promotions for the you know their night uh, their night uh, races and. Uh, you know, it's it's not like it used to be, but uh, it, it is still nice to to go somewhere and and uh, you know have a, have a crowd there. You you want to hear something from my mouth that probably you know was a big difference than a few years ago, but you should see the difference with Churchill down now. They they made it a huge turn. They're very horseman friendly now. 
and they are they have a different attitude. I know I know it's a company. I know it's a public trading company. I know they have an agenda. I know their goal is to make as much money for the shareholder. I understand that. We all do understand the same thing. But the problem is, is they are they are they are doing they are doing a phenomenal job, and uh, they they know they know that the future is 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 and racing is going to be Churchill and Keeneland and you know Ellis and Turfway and Kentucky Down. They know that for a fact. So it, it, it's it's a, it's a big difference, and I think I applaud them and doing they they're doing a great job. Uh, Saying that, you know, Keeneland, Keeneland, Keeneland is, is a dream. I mean, being at Keeneland, I mean, if I have a way to stay in Keeneland year-round, and uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's unbelievable. The people are extremely nice, and uh, they are they're very horseman-orientated, and they go the extra step to just to help you. Yeah, Keeneland is always a it's always a good time, and you know the grounds are immaculately taken care of, and you know they sell a billion dollars worth of horses a year. That helps, but uh, it's nice to be there. You know, it's, it's always a nice a nice meet to be there. Their sales are first class. The people are are nice. That was <laughs> when I relocated when I was working for Jerkins, and and uh, I got the opportunity to work for Mister Ramsey, uh, Jason Bidas, You know, Jose Lescano's agent and I uh, left. And uh, we we set up shop right there at at Keeneland, and um, we we were always kind of taken aback. And we used to say to ourselves, "How come everybody's so nice here? <laughs> it's, uh-huh. it's weird. Every, everybody's nice. Like, what's the angle? You know, you come from New York, and not not New York. The race isn't necessarily, but you know, just New York, the place. And you know, everyone's right. got a little bit of an edge. And you get to Kentucky, and it's like, wow, everybody's really nice. They said hi to me. I'm thinking, what are you saying hi to me for? But uh, you know, once once you're settled in and you accept it, it it's it's really nice. I mean, uh, you know, and you, you get seasons there, and and it's hot in the summertime, and it's cold in the wintertime, but. You know that's that's part of the deal, right? I've been I've been here a year and and a little over a year now. I came here March of two thousand uh, two thousand twenty, right when the pandemic started. And and I'm telling you, I mean, the winter didn't bother me at all. I mean, it was was maybe a, a handful of day that snow and didn't bother me at all. And uh, was cold. Yeah, it was cold, but I don't think he was any colder than when I lived for 39 years in New York City. And uh, and the five years, four or five years that I lived in Chicago. So, I mean, it was nothing that you say, oh, my God, you know, I, I can't handle this. And, 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 and the summers, I mean, the summers in South Florida or the summers in New York, summer in Chicago, I believe they're worse than the summit in Keeneland. I mean, Keeneland in Lexington. Yeah. Have you been to Ellis Park yet? Yes, I did. No, even if a good fan will help you. Ellis Park might be the hottest place on earth. It, uh, it, it is. It's in that it little is. valley, so it's just... Uh, I, you know what? I, I was in Kentucky for 10 years. I was second and third leading trainer at Keeneland a couple times. I, I was always uh, in the top 10 at Churchill. Do you know I never won a race at Ellis Park? You know, I, I won a race at Ellis over. Park a year ago, and we 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 took the horse 
we took a horse back after after go to a test barn, and who gave me a bat. And I don't know, I made one phone call. I was, a, you know, it's a few minutes. The horse made like three rounds. And I told the groom, I said, did you bait the horse? I said, yeah, we already bait him. <laughs> I think in three turns, <laughs> the horse was dry. <laughs> I mean, it just was amazing. So, said, no. Said, someone on social media was talking about Ellis Park the other day, and they were saying, well, you know, it doesn't look very fancy, and they should spruce it up and put, put you know, like flowers and stuff. I was like, listen. If you wanted to put like vegetation in at Ellis Park, you you need to put like cactus or something that could survive. <laughs> Ellis Park, it's so hot, you're not worried about any of that. You just want to get your horses run and 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 get back into the air conditioning. Yeah, well, but one thing about you know with the racing secretary Dan Bork that what Norm is 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 a, is a wonderful a wonderful guy. I mean, really really nice nice guy, great racing secretary, and. Uh, He's uh, he's doing a phenomenal job, and the other thing that Ellis Park has that he has a phenomenal racetrack to train on it, and and they keep the grounds spectacular. I mean, the turf course is very very good, and uh, and now with a new casino, you know, and I haven't been in this year yet, but uh, I heard that they're going to finish uh, very soon. They want to put a new grandstand, and and you know it's going to be okay. Yeah, things are definitely on on the uprise, and you know you know Dan Bork is a great guy, and he's a good racing secretary. And you know the one thing about him is he doesn't age. Like he literally looks the same. I've known him for twenty five years. He never age. He never ages a day. Yeah. Unlike the rest of us. Hey, yep, yep, you're right. Speaking of age, what about uh, what about your your old horse, Little Mike, the great Little Mike? Uh, tell everybody kind of quickly just how, how you got how, how you wound up with Little Mike. I mean, it's a great story. Well, I mean, when I was in Chicago, uh, I was trying to build uh, um, an olive oil packaging company with Emilio from. My friend from California has a, has a huge company in, in La Mirada, California. I moved to Chicago, the suburb of Chicago, and uh, I met uh, <coughs> through the, the olive oil industry. I met this gentleman called Pat Greco. And Pat Greco, you know, is a very wealthy man, a very wealthy man who owns a, uh, a food distribution company in, in, in Chicago. And he was in a horse business, you know, and he he was really trying to promote uh, the breeding industry in, in, in Chicago that actually he never took off. So he used to go to Hawthorne and Sportman Park and Arlington Park and, you know, claim these fillies for, they're running for 16, 20,000 the most in, in, in those three racetracks and breed it to couple of, we used to have maybe, I think, two or three stallions. So, fast forward, one day he called me, I said, Carl, I want you to come to my farm. And uh, I went to his farm and said, listen, I have like 75 mares, plus 75 yearlings, 75 winglings, and I had 75 babies on the belly of the mother. And I said, I want you to check the pedigrees. 
So he gave me all the pedigrees of these mares, and I never forget. I went to his man office. He had a shredder machine, and I put all the seventy-five pedigrees. I said, Pat, get rid of these horses because this is—I don't care how much money you have. This is going to be a disaster. So we start to get rid of the mares. He he called OBS. I said, Pat, don't even go to call call OBS because by the time you send it to OBS, by by the time you pay the entry fees. By the time you pay the commission, you're going to lose money. These horses are going to bring three, dollars $400 the most. So he said, fine. Try to find them good homes. So I, I spent weeks and weeks and weeks to give, um, give uh, some of these fillies and horses to good homes. And I was very pretty successful. I gave them... I hope, to the right people. Let's put it this way. So made that long story short, I was with Tom Swaringen, uh, you know, I'm a trainer, and really with training in Arlington Park, and Mike Rivers. And was like three horses left in the, in the farm. So what I want to do with these horses. And what this, this mare, that every time I used to jump in a golf, co- in a, in a golf cart, he, she used to follow me. I don't know why. I used to feed her, I used to give him carrots. So Tom said, listen, I'm taking this one, the chestnut filly, and my rivers there taking this one. So, okay, I take the third one. So I pick up the phone, and I call my friend, rest in peace, Jimmy Coop. I said, Jimmy, I want to send you uh, a horse. I never told him I want to send him a mare, because Jimmy used to hate blue mares. So finally, the horse got to Coop in Newcastle Farm, and Coop said, Carlo, you send me a mare. I don't want the mare in my farm. Get rid of it. Get the mare on my farm. So I sent it to Eddie Coletti, and Eddie Coletti didn't want a mare. Then I sent it to John Shaw, and John Shaw kept the mare. Now, I bred it. Oh, I ran into Dean DiRenzo. They used to have a horse called Tiger Ridge. So I met uh, Dean Dorenzo. I said, listen, I have this mare, and I want to breed. I said, listen, Carlo, I have Tiger Ridge. Just give me a couple dollars, breed it to Tiger Ridge. And they produce little Nick. I think he made uh, seven or $800,000. Uh, the following year, I didn't breed the mare because uh, little Nick, born in, in May, and uh, I gave him a year off. And one day I was, I got lost in Ocala, and I asked somebody for direction, and the gentleman was Eddie Martin. And Eddie Martin showed me this horse uh, that I never saw, the most beautiful horse I ever saw in my life was uh, uh, Spanish Steps. And he told me a whole story about Spanish Steps, full brother and bridal song, and race, this and that. And he was a stallion in Ocala, and I gave him $500, and I bred Hey Jude to Spanish Steps. And made the long story short, that was little Mike. So, so a, mare, mean, a mare that was given to you, just a giveaway mare that no one else wanted, and you bred to a stallion that you wound up paying $500 for his fee, and you turned him into 
a uh, and, Breeders' and Cup Chuck, turf winner. She she produced eleven. She got eleven babies. Every single one, every one of them, they all made a hundred thousand and up. From a hundred thousand, little Scotty, to. Three point six or three three point seven million dollars a little Mike. Everyone uh, broke his mate and everybody won. So she's uh, very. You never know. You never know where the good horses are going to come. I mean, I mean, uh, some 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 people they think some they put too much effort and too much influence on this breeding and they're trying to buy horses like the green monkey 16.2 million and never 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 want to race and uh so you never know i mean i hope i hope we'll get to little mike one for you one for me <laughs> yeah it is it is crazy if you think about it um it's it's just uh you know, people spend billions of dollars trying to win these kind of races, and and you know you, we end up with this genetic, uh, you know, for whatever reason she has the ability in her genes to pass on, you know, quality race horses, and you know you see some really well great bred mares that were great race horses, <laughs> you know, they can't produce anything. You know, I, I have to give a lot of credit to Paco Lopez. I'll be honest with you. I mean. Uh, Paco, I mean, took a while for little Mike. Little Mike runs his first race at the Calder, and he got beat. And then we we give him some time off, and then I send him to uh, I send him to Mammoth Park, and I was, I mean, my trainer then. He told me, Carlos, this is nothing but a twenty-five thousand dollar clamber. So Paco Lopez. He called me that night. I happened to be in Mammoth Park the day he run. And he called me. I said, listen, do me a favor. Don't listen to this. Just just run in the mile on the turf, and this horse will never get beat. So uh, I told, you know, the, the trainer, said, listen to me. I'm going to run a made a special on, on the turf, going go on a mile. He told me I was crazy. And then he went, and uh, he won. And uh, no, excuse, yeah, no, yeah, he won. And and this is this is this is the, the day before before the horse was running. Paco Lopez got into a fist fight with Joe Bravo, hmm. and they caught. Paco Lopez thrown the first punch, and the steward they suspend Paco Lopez for 15 days. So we put Joe Bravo on the horse. He won a mile on the turf, and then he won nine nine races in a row. And I mean, of course, after he won with Joe Bravo, I couldn't take Joe Bravo off the horse. So actually, Little Mike was Paco Lopez's horse. That that's another part of the twist of the story that uh, that everyone probably doesn't even realize. But I mean, Little Mike was a winner. I mean, he ranked thirty times. He had fourteen wins in two seconds. 
So right. if, if he got uh, to the point in the race where he had a chance of winning, he did it. He, he didn't uh, he didn't hang very often. He, he made it he made it happen. You know, and, and the other part of the story is get it get a little better, right? So we're going to uh, Joe Bravo win the Woodford Reserve, and uh, and and then we're supposed to go to the Island to Million. So I got spinned by uh, the agent of Joe Bravo. He said, "No, Joe Bravo." Doesn't want to doesn't want to go to Arlington Park. I don't think little Mike has any uh, got a shot in Arlington Park with all the uh, with all the the European. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in in, in Saratoga. He rode a horse called Turbo Compressor for pleasure. Mm-hmm. So I said fine. So I never forget. I was with my real real good friend, rest in peace, Paul Pampa. So I was really really upset. And he told me, I said, listen, Carlo, I'm running a horse in, at the, the, the Arlington Park, and I think Dominguez is going to be there. So I called uh, Steve Russian. I said, I said, uh, how you doing for the Arlington Million? Are you open? Yes, I'm open. You want to ride uh, Little Mike? I said, I would love to ride Little Mike. He won the Arlington Million wire to wire with Dominguez. And then was a big dilemma, running a mile on the on the British Cup or running a mile and a half. And I told Dale, I said, Dale, listen to me, this horse, a mile and a half, a mile and three quarters, two miles. The longer it go, I think the better it's going to be. I said, fine. So we'll put a mile and a half, and he won the. The British Cup uh, Turf Classic. Yeah, that he did the 2012 Classic at Santa Anita. Um, right, beating, beating a pretty good a pretty good group of horses. Point of entry, Saint Nicholas Abbey Trailblazer. Um, you know, it was. I think it was between 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 the entire field. Somebody told me if you count all the Group One and Grade One races between the combined was 28. Uh, just turbo. I mean, just uh, uh, some of the horses. And Nicholas Abbey won like four or five, and Point oh, yeah. won like three or four. Uh, so <clears throat> all together for the whole field, uh, there was I heard there was twenty eight. So it was it was pretty impressive, you know. A turbo compressor finished last, by the way. Yeah, you know why? And Bravo rode him, and he took the lead. He figured he's gonna kill me, but little Domingo was too was too sharp. He sat third the whole way. He hugged the rail, and then when I when I saw the fraction, I said I said goodbye, you know. But by the time they turned from home, I mean he was so small, Ramon, you know. He just uh, he opened up, and he was at one point he was up by five, you know, on the top of the lane. So it was was pretty was pretty impressive. Was it was 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 a great day, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ramon was was one of the the best riders I've ever seen. Just at a positioning a horse and and uh, and getting the most out of them. He 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 was usually in the right position, and uh, you know he was it was unfortunate that he um, you know was injured and not able to continue his career. But uh, 
but he was uh, he was really something else when he was riding. He was he's, and, and he's one of the best guys you're ever going to meet. I mean, just one of the best people in racing. And pure. you know, tremendous rider and a wonderful human being. And talking about a, a class class act, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's Ron's great. Uh, so little Mike is now he he is at old friends, correct? Yes, I mean I go and see him pretty often. Uh, you know, every you know maybe once a month I go there, and he's with in a in a, in a huge party with Damon Dude, and he looks he looks fantastic. I mean, he's just as happy as can be, and you know, he got a nice nice belly. He's 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 just a happy horse. Yeah, he's kind of a, a once-in-a-lifetime horse. That not only did you own a Breeders' Cup um, turf winner, but but you bred him as well, and that's uh, that's something that's probably not a lot. You know, a lot of people that have have uh, farms with hundreds of horses are trying to do, and and um, you know that that's uh, you know that's a great accomplishment. Um, what about? I wish I could. I wish I can duplicate it. <laughs> so, I wish I people people that say, "Oh, Carlo, you you the smartest guy." I said, "You better little Mike." Uh, yes, and um, what do you mean to do? I said, "Oh, you know, maybe you, you should get another little Mike." I said, "Where I can find one?" <laughs> yeah, you should tell him. You, know, you also it's not that easy. You also bred little Chuck. He didn't turn out to be <laughs> yeah, so good. Little Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> the one you named after me. Unfortunately, oh, I could outrun him. The only hey, thing- listen, the worst that I the worst that I did, the worst that I did, little PJ. Oh my god, little PJ was the worst horse in America. I mean, I never I never never forget the day that PJ Campo called me and said, "Listen, Campo, you can't find any any worse horse like this to my name." Poor little oh, PJ. God, I was- Poor little PJ was literally the slowest horse I've ever seen. Oh my! And, and and of course you name him after the guy that's you know running the racetrack at the time. <laughs> but what we're talking about? We're talking about have fun. One of my best days in my entire life was with Umberto. Oh my God! When we went to Calder, you had a horse named Umberto, and Umberto was like he was kind of an enigma because every once in a while he'd like make a move in a race. And then just like it looked like he was gonna run and then just flatten out. And <laughs> and you put him in at Calder, uh, Goldstream Park West. And it was opening day. I remember it was opening day, it was like a Wednesday. Just a regular old day. And um uh you put him on the turf <coughs> and the turf woke him up and, and he wound up winning and and uh our, our our friend, you know, who who is an assistant for for you and me, he works for uh, Ken Sweezy now. Edison, who's famous in the racetrack, um, it was like he had won the Breeders' Cup Classic and the Kentucky Derby all rolled into one. I'd never seen a happier human being than Eddie was. That My day. God, he was running around, <laughs> taunting everyone at <laughs> at Calder, uh, and and I'll be honest, that was one of the biggest surprises that uh, Umberto ran. He 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 ran ten lengths better than he ever run before in his life. Oh my God, that was so fun to see Eddie. Oh oh my God, it was, he was he was just. 
he was running he was running faster than Umberto. He was he, he was so happy and of course there was about, you know, uh, 90 people there. But um I remember that night we went we had the the celebration dinner at uh, at the old Frankendinos in Deerfield Beach. Right. Uh people people were Acting like so, you know. Did he win a big race? No, uh, Umberto won. <laughs> what? <laughs> we never thought Umberto would win. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. You fun. know, and actually, he never won again. <laughs> yeah, poor Umberto. That was that was his his one day in the sun. Uh, but, yeah, because I remember you saying, "Come on, take a ride with me down down to Kohler," and I didn't have anything going on. I was like, "All right, we're gonna go watch Umberto." I'm like oh, Umberto. Uh, that's it's funny. It's funny how the racetrack is. You know, sometimes out of the blue, like something will happen, and you just never, never saw it coming. <laughs> um, speaking of of restaurants, when uh, when you think you you'll you'll be open a couple weeks now at your Frank and Dino's Lexington? Well, we have a we had a, a couple of delays that uh, was unexpected. You know, I, I I'll say probably the end of July, the beginning of August. And, uh, you know, we have some furniture coming from Italy and some light fixtures. And uh, there was delay in, uh, in, in the port of Naples. And uh, they're supposed to leave. Uh, they're supposed to get here the 25th or the 29th of uh, June. And and actually, they just left, like, maybe a week ago. And then we have some... Again, some delays and some furniture too. That's coming from California, and I just heard actually maybe a couple of hours ago that that it finally it, they're finished and they're going to uh, ship it on Thursday from uh, from Southern California. So that probably going to take like a week to ten days to get here to Lexington. So well, but I, I would imagine. You know, Chuck, Go ahead. We've been waiting for so long, you know. This place was supposed to be open probably a year ago. Yeah. My my goal was open for the 2020 uh, Keeneland sale, and probably going to be almost really close to a year. But it's not that we can do the pandemic, you know, hit us pretty hard. And in the sense, you know, I'm. I'm okay with, you know, just, uh, I mean, you can see people that coming out now, people probably, I would say, maybe at least half of the country is vaccinated, so I think we want to be okay. Yeah, uh, you're probably the only restaurant in Kentucky that's the, that's delayed because of issues at the port of Naples, but um, that's a good thing. Uh, where is, you're located downtown? We are just in the short and the mill right in the corner next to Dudley's and probably a, you know, a block from uh, the Rob Arena. And uh, so the location is great. You know, we have uh, yeah, like four or five of the major hotels, uh, the Hilton, the Hyatt, the Regency, and they're right basically across the street from us. And uh, we are like a block away from city center. And um, is Lexington? It became like a, a little, like a little mini New York. You know, you see a lot of action on this, you know, downtown Lexington, uh, especially when you see with the UK and all these different kind of uh, 
shows uh, that the they take place at the Rupp Arena. So a lot of people coming into into town now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like you were having a lot of trouble last year because I mean, like everyone else, you had the pandemic and and. Uh, I mean, it just uh, was such an, an unknown. If you think about a year ago, today, uh, I mean, there was just still so many things that we didn't know were, were going to happen or what you know we could do. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, happy it's in the rearview mirror. And, and happy that you know, you're, 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 you're close to the finish line. I mean, at least you can see the end, uh, some light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, your menu is going to be similar to uh, the Boca restaurant? <clears throat> Exactly the same menu, Chuck. I mean, we are not going to try to reinvent the wheel. The only the only thing we're going to do different is uh, uh, I I find out it took me a little while to find out that uh, Saturday or Sunday brunch the huge here in Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, between Lexington. So we are going to incorporate uh, uh, Saturday and Sunday brunch, and uh, and then the rest of the week is the same lunches and. And seven dinners, live music, and uh, exactly the same menu that we have in in Boca. Well, as someone who's had most of the items in menu, uh, uh oh, <laughs> that wasn't us. Uh, as someone who's had virtually every item on the menu in Boca, I can I can say that there's not a bad one, and that the people there are going to be amazed when they get uh, real authentic Italian food and. Um, it's top notch, and you never know. I mean, I might even be, uh, you know, coming up for the opening. I know there's been a, a swell of, of people wanting to me to bring my uh, my knife and fork awards up there and and uh, be there for opening day. But you know, you never know; it might happen. You better come. I mean, <laughs> if my son Michael and my son Nick, I see them in social media. So make sure Chuck's come up. <laughs> Well, we're going to see what we can do. I mean, uh, you know, you, you you use food, you put food out in front of me. I'm like, uh, you know, it's like a carrot. To the <sighs> yeah, and, and a couple of Tito's and cranberry. Oh, and then, uh... I'm banned from Tito's and cranberry. <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, it, it was good to have you on, and um, hopefully the restaurant can, uh, can get going. I'm sure you're going to do great, and uh, the sale, it'll be nuts. Um, but, uh, you know, thank you for reminiscing about little Mike and about his great story and, uh, really hopefully, uh, you can win some races and, and, and keep the kids, uh, you know, keep them in line. Keep, yeah. Keep them in line. I know you got no I, shot with Mikey. I know Mikey's just going to do it. No, no. I, listen, they move out. Actually, they, they, they move out partially. They're moving out tomorrow. Uh-huh. Yeah, they got their own house in uh, across from UK, and uh, Mikey's the landlord now, and uh, <laughs> Nikki's a tenant, <laughs> and uh, he's. Uh, Those will be interesting conversations be. when when the rent comes due. Yeah, <laughs> I say I want no part, I had no part. I said, you know, you can send the give me an eviction notice and put him in his room. No, that, that they got a house across from UK, four bedroom, and it's pretty smart. They're gonna they're gonna live in one in each room, and they're gonna they're gonna rent the other two rooms. And with that money, they're paying the mortgage, and they'll be they'll be set. You know, I mean, it's, it's always people in 
they got 35,000 students, so it's always, they can find two people that are looking to, to rent the room, so it's, it's pretty smart. Yeah. Not only that, it's, it's like, it's like not even a half a mile from, from, from the restaurant, so they can basically take a bicycle or even walk to, to Frank and Dina's. Yeah, I'm not worried about those two. Those the the those guys are you're 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 a pretty good sire, I tell you that. <laughs> yeah. You had a good broodmare though too, so <laughs> Yeah, that's that thing that's better. <laughs> well, listen again, thanks for coming on and um make sure that uh make sure you give me a heads up and, and I'll be up there for the opening and uh we'll Definitely. Uh, we'll talk all about it. I'll I'll give a I'll give a review. From the that official, would be great. A two-time knife and Let's fork see. winning uh, review. All right, Chuck. All right. Thank you for having me, and uh, God bless. All right, Carlo. Thank you for coming on. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That's Carlo Vecareza. He's uh, training horses in his spare time, trying to open up a restaurant in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, pretty soon, uh, it's, it's uh, great food, and uh, believe me, the people there are going to be... Uh, they're going to be rolled over when they, they get real Italian food. Not that uh, Midwestern stuff, whatever the hell they think, that ragu that they eat now. Um, I want to thank John Scheinman for coming on and, and telling us about his book, uh, Bell Harbor Blues. Um, we had a little bit of bad news that broke while we were taping the show. And uh, legendary Harvey Pack has passed away at age 94. Um, if you grew up in the... Uh, in the 80s or 90s in New York, you uh, and you were following racing. Harvey Pack was, he was the uh, kind of the maitre d'. He was the guy on uh, the replay show when, when this is, you know, where we had to watch. Uh, they had replay shows on every night at 7 o'clock on Sports Channel. And uh, that was the Harvey Pack show. And uh, he introduced a lot of us to the game. Um, he introduced a lot of us to some of the players in the game, the Andy Byers of the world. And, uh, he was also, uh, worked for NBC sports on a lot of the early breeders cup telecasts. Harvey pack was, was one of the, the, the main hosts and, um, just, a you know, kind of a legendary, a legendary guy. And, um, a lot of people, uh, like I said, like me, we grew up, uh, Watching Harvey Pack. Harvey Pack was the voice of New York Racing. So, Mr. P, Mr. Pack, rest in peace. And appreciate everyone listening. And uh, we'll be back next week, uh, Mon- Big Monday. And uh, next uh, next week we'll have uh, a little bit of a Saratoga and Delmar preview. All right. Peace. From BRL Equine, the people that bring you EPO Equine, Unlock and Bleeder Shield, now comes Flexify HA, the most advanced scientifically based joint supplement on the market. To find out more, contact me, Joseph Volante, at 215-501-6880. To be the best, give them only the best. BRL Equine. This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast.
Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Cantharos, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at pleasantacrestallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Going in Circles Big Monday show. I wanted to let you know that we have a weekly newsletter that... You can subscribe to for free, the Going in Circles Digest. It's a, kind of a combination newsletter, stakes preview. Um, we have some uh, restaurant reviews on there, various topics, but uh, we also have a couple um, pieces about various uh, industry topics or racing history. This last week, we did a piece on the great... Arazi and his spectacular move in the 1991 Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which unfortunately was the the pinnacle of his career. But um, it's a free subscription. Go to goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and check it out. All right, the Going in Circles Digest. Thanks for listening.